Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good. I hope I'm doing well. And uh, again, I'm going to skip over the chicken thing because I have no excuse. I just haven't gotten out there to film them for you guys, but everything is good over here. But let me get on to the good part. You know, for me, the good part always is the guest that I'm going to have on the show. This gentleman, this is the first time here on the show. And let me tell you about him. His name is James Roger Brown. He is a sociologist, uh, intelligence collection, and analysis, analysis methodologist. He's also the author of Strategy and Tactics to Survive ET Abduction Slash Force Encounter. Now, he's been called by some of the most dangerous mind in North America. His general field is sociology of knowledge with specializations in the sociology of intelligence operations, cultural reality models, and how cultures defined and relate to the spiritual world. Uh, Roger has tested Joseph Campbell's conclusion that the spiritual traditions of all cultures are attempts to describe the same spiritual world by determining if what they identify as teachable and learnable spiritual skills can be learned. In the intelligence field, he's developed the most advanced methodology that currently exists, uh, responding to requests to address various intelligence system inadequacies identified by World War II. Intelligence professionals interviewed for his master's thesis on World War II international intelligence operations, he developed the following. One, a theory which allows social process to be described mathematically using neural structures as the unit of analysis that can be applied to any species with a central nervous system. Two, reverse engineered the intelligence collection and analysis system and a key technical specification of the ET species conducting the catch and release human abductions. And number three, contradictory hypothesis testing protocols with a near zero error rate for intelligence analysis and criminal investigation evidence analysis as a more reliable alternative to the inherently high error rate, contrary hypothesis testing currently used by all law enforcement and intelligence agencies. So do you think we have a lot to talk about? with James? We most certainly do. But like always, let's start at the beginning. How are you doing today, James? I'm still alive, despite all efforts to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of people sometimes. And I'm going to ask you, how did, uh, how did 
you get started in this? Uh, um, what, were, what were your original plans that led you? Because it sounds like you've had a very interesting life so far in the fields of expertise that are, wow. How did this all start for you? Well, I started down this road with an experience I had in the military during basic training. One day, uh, myself and another gentleman were called out of morning formation and uh, told to report to the post theater early in the morning. And when we got there, there were a bunch of gentlemen in civilian suits. Uh, we all sat down and they started this spiel about we had been selected to be interviewed because we had college degrees and no criminal record. I, yeah, and um, he told us that, you know, we would be allowed to live off post, have maximum allowance for pay, uh, wear civilian clothes uh, to work, and that we were being interviewed or considered for switchboard telephone operators in the White House. Uh, okay. uh, Richard Nixon was president at the time, and neither I nor the other gentleman wanted anything to do with his administration. So we returned to the um, company, right. and the gentleman had told us right before we broke up uh, or took a break that when we came back, we would have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and he would tell us what it was really about. Well, I didn't learn anything else at the time, but when I got back after uh, my term of service ended, I had my congressman check into what was going on. And it. the bottom line was Richard Nixon was trying to recruit uh, people into a uh, military unit personally loyal to him. Okay. And if, I don't know if you might remember it or not, but there was a, a scandal in the White House back then because he had uh, designed this Prussian-style uniform for a military unit he was going to have around the White House. No, I, think I don't it, know about that. I don't, and I don't remember, but, but I don't even, I haven't, even afterwards, I'd never heard about that. Yeah. Anyway, after, after the congressman told me what he found out, I got curious about how um, evil enterprises work. And I actually was majoring in physics at the time. And it was two years in working toward a degree in physics and I switched to social sciences so I could um, do a master's thesis uh, looking at how intelligence operations worked. And to do that, I interviewed some World War II era people who lived in Memphis at the time and were willing to talk to me. Uh, two of them, well, let me backtrack one. Okay. When you ask information from anybody in the intelligence arena, they want something in, re in exchange. 
Ah, quid pro quo, huh? Yes, and you can tell the, the type of person you're dealing with by what they ask you to do. These two individuals, one of them told me all of the information that they had collected during World War II about the extraterrestrials. And he asked me to find out everything I could about uh, what the ETs were doing here and why. The other gentleman asked me to develop a science-based system of intelligence analysis to replace the political system mm -hmm. because it wasn't working. Um, you know, the, the analysis conclusions were done for political reasons, not for the truth. And I started, this was in 1978, when I finished my master's thesis, I immediately started working on doing both of those. And it, it took me 12 years to solve all the problems. And when I finished, I realized that both problems had the same solution. And I, I solved it by reverse engineering what the grays are doing with the uh, catch and release abductions. They are doing intelligence collection. They map out. They map out the entire um, central nervous system of the individuals that they take. They record all of it, and they're a sample. And they keep re-examining the same individuals over time mm -hmm. to monitor how they learn, what they learn, and all of the while they're, they're, you know, they've got a massive uh, equivalent of a computer somewhere mm -hmm. with the entire skill base of each generation of humans that they've been applying this to. I don't know how far they go back, but they've, they've probably got quite a backlog of skills, um, maybe even going back to the Middle Ages. So this is these and these are the, the the people that say that they've had a history of abductions lifelong starting in childhood. Correct. And um I I realized that what they were doing was, you know, based on the neural structures. Uh because when you learn to do something, your central nervous system constru constructs a a central nervous protocol, a series of connections that process the energy the same way. That's why you and I can speak and understand English because every time somebody says carrot, mm -hmm. your central nervous system processes that information in the same way and you know what a carrot is. It has meaning. So when the neural structure is built, that is what establishes meaning. And um, one of the in important insights I had is that um, I, I identified the technical specification for their neural scanning technology. And uh, one of the people that I worked with in this area 
was William Pollock after he left the government. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, but he uh, did the, he designed and installed the security system for Area 51. Oh, wow. And he and I became good friends. And through a government program that he knew about, we actually tried to build a neural structure, a, a scanner, a non-destructive neural scanner. But we don't have the technology to do it, didn't have at the time, and still don't, as best I can determine. But if we were able to do that, we could do the, we could be doing the the same type of thing with every species of animal on the earth. Right. Uh, you know, we would learn hundreds of times more information than we have now on on other species. Right, because mostly we learn through observation at some point, and then of course testing. But I know what you're saying that you could download. Yeah, yeah the, we uh, would we would be able to. Um, you know, understand the language of animals, mm -hmm. you know, how meaning was attributed to whatever sound they make. Exactly. Uh, you know, we could do a lot, but we just don't have the technology yet to do that. But I've, I've still pursued learning everything I could about, you know, what the ETs were doing and why they're here. And as best I can determine, they're they're all here for the same reason. They um, do you think that they also? Did you hear so many stories, of, especially from abductees, that they're basically also in, interested in reproductive material from men and women, male and female? Do you yeah. think that's also part of, for lack of a better word, their study of us? Well, there, there's a number of things that can be involved in that. They could be, uh, they, well, we know that they are producing hybrids. Right, uh, exactly. I've, um, the only detailed in, encounter I will talk about is the first one that I had when I was 13 years old. Um, my parents had just moved from Ohio on a farm to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm hearing all kinds of strange noises. You know what? Don't worry about it. Some of that is that I have my dogs and they carry on. They're like little children, you know, no, doing stuff that's inappropriate all right. because of course that's, you know, that, yeah, that's I know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I'm a dog, dog person myself. I there actually lived with a wolf for several years. Oh, okay. All right. That, that was yeah, a real it. trip. I learned I'm a sure. lot. <laughs> You made sure he never got mad at you, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the ETs. Yes. Um, they are all here. All of the species are here for the same reason. It's because of the evil people running this planet. Uh, they are actually our enemy as well as the ETs. And okay. it, at every opportunity they get, they're doing evil that damages these other alien civilizations and every one of them that have the uh, technology and skill level to do it have mm -hmm. determined where this evil was coming from 
and have sent military expeditionary forces here to do something about it. The problem they have is sorting out the good folks from the evil ones, which I call black souls, because they have black souls and keep reincarnating, doing mm -hmm. evil every life that they have, no matter whether it's on this planet or somewhere else. The problem the extraterrestrials have is identifying all of the black souls so they can sort them out from the rest of us. And um, there are various solutions that each, each of the species have come up with. Uh, one of them uh, has, has a device that can, um, when they take somebody alive in their physical body, mm -hmm. they can put them in this stasis type chamber and prevent their soul from leaving their body. Oh my God. Wow. Like, you know, keeping them live for thousands and thousands of years. Now I, it's, I think a, a form of hell. Yes. But, um, you know, that's that's one of the solutions. Some of the others are even more profound and and basically are one type of isolating humans or another. The grays uh, are the ones that, that have the stasis chamber and their plan for finishing the procedure. Once mm -hmm. they've pulled out all of these people after they've identified them right. and, and they haven't, they haven't identified them all yet, which is why nothing has happened. But once they've taken out all of the black souls, they have a, a special forces tactical unit that has uh, machines that can run a wall of fire pole to pole around the entire earth and their plan is to sterilize the place so that another crew of black souls cannot develop here. Now, obviously, that's not in our interest. Yeah, I would say, and, boy, there's. Um, I'm looking at the title of your book, and it and you know that that it's titled "Strategy and Tactics to Survive ET Abduction or Forced Encounter," and I'm thinking, aren't there people that get caught up? or abducted that are not what they're looking for? Well, if they're not what they're looking for, they would only, they would probably only abduct them once. Okay. Now, I, there, there are levels of competence among these people, just like humans. Oh. And there was, there was one incident where a, a, um, an abductee, uh, heard one of the um, grays that, that worked on the you know seizure team uh, being criticized for grabbing the wrong person. Interesting. You know, it wasn't the person that they were intending to scan. They'd, they had gotten gone and gotten the wrong person. So, you know, there, um, there are various levels of confidence, like I said. Right. In other now, words, they're not perfect. They're just like us. <laughs> right. They make mistakes. Now, going back to the encounter I had when I was 13, yeah. I, I was in bed and about 
uh, one or two o'clock in the morning, something woke me up. And I, I sat up in bed and I looked down at the foot of my bed and there was this little short figure that I thought was my sister that had somehow gotten out of bed and wandered into our my brother and I's bedroom. And I, I called out her name. And as soon as I did that, it was just like later on in the Star Trek uh, TV series and movies, twinkle, 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 and it was gone. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was, I realized later it was a little short gray. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain that I'm not an abductee. Um, okay. What I think is for some reason they've been following my life, maybe even from birth. I'm not sure what their interest is. I don't know, you know, whether they did some enhanced engineering on me or not, mm-hmm. but I do have some unusual genes. Uh, for example, I, I know from experience that I have a, a natural resistance to venom. Really? Really. A doctor told me once that I was in 1% of the population that had a natural resistance to venom. Because I was about to ask you, how did you find that out? Did you? I was bitten by a brown recluse spider. Oh. And the skin did not necrotize and slough off. And um, when when that did not happen, that that's when the doctor told me that I had a natural resistance to venom. And subsequently, uh, it saved my life on three different occasions. Uh, one, of the, one of the attempts to kill me was a triple lethal dose of venom extracted from a South American wasp nest. Uh, you know, the, the paper that the wasp used yeah. to make their nest, right. uh, you can soak that in water apparently and extract a, a venom from it. Um, I survived that, and I survived a snake bite from an unknown snake. I didn't see what it was that bit me. Okay. And, you know, I, I went to the uh, emergency room, but, mm-hmm. you know, this was like uh, two or three hours after I was bitten before I got in. And, you know, I wasn't in distress, so, and, and I couldn't tell them, you know, what kind of snake it was. So they, they you know, literally didn't know what to do right. to help right. me. But I survived that. And the, the most recent attempt to get rid of me was spraying um, um, some biological agent on my door handle of my car. And I was leaving to go to a hospital. Uh, I was recovering from knee replacement surgery at the time and was going there and doing physical therapy exercises three times a week. Well, in the in the ten minutes it took to get from my house to the hospital, my blood pressure was crashing. I was, I had shivers and and was shaking uncontrollably. Um, obviously, I didn't get to do my my workout that day, but I did make it home. And when I did get to the emergency room. They discovered, they ran uh, tests, a bunch of tests, and I was um, 
tested positive on three of the five Epstein-Barr tests. What? Yeah. So it, it was probably some kind of genetically modified uh, to be fast-acting, like mononucleosis or something. Yes. Uh-huh. But, it, but it had to have been, you know, absorbed through my skin because, you know, I'm, all I'm doing is driving. I'm not, <laughs> not doing right. a whole lot of eating or anything. Anyway, that uh, is. yeah, that, that happens occasionally. Um, you know, it, it's something I've learned to watch out for, and I use my spidey senses a lot. Uh, and and getting back to one of the points I was making about uh, things fitting together, it turns out that all three of my specializations in sociology of knowledge kind of dovetailed and I've used skills I acquired from all three of them to keep myself alive. And I actually, uh, when I can find a free place to do it, I, I will not charge anybody anything to do this, but I, I teach a, a starter course in spiritual awareness and skill development. Okay. I, I teach people how to uh, learn how learn how to become aware of spiritual input, and what it is is uh, we can process quantum level sensory input. Okay. The person who documented this he didn't realize what he had done at the time, but uh, John C. Lilly, who developed the isolation chamber. In, that was popular in the 60s, mm -hmm. when he put people in there, you know, it, it neutralized, it, it was water that's body temperature, soundproof, lightproof. And what he discovered was that the, the brain was still processing sensory input. And because it wasn't, you know, hearing, seeing, or touch, it had to be something else. And that's what I, that's one of the insights I've had is that it was uh, quantum sensory input. And that's what spiritual awareness is. It's building uh, neural structures in your central nervous system to process quantum level sensory input. And we can do that. That's what monks do. So you can either, you know, go to a monastery or, right. uh, Take, take advanced martial arts classes, excuse me, like Aikido. I, I recommend Aikido. It's A-K-I-D-O. Okay. Uh, there's no attack in Aikido. It's all about uh, manipulating energy that's directed toward you so that nobody can hit you. You know, you route things around you. And you can do that at a distance. Right. And uh, I imagine this is also enhances your focus or in other words, it doesn't let you get distracted easily, which is, I think happens to a lot of people sometimes. Yes. Helps you maintain your, your focus. Now getting back to the ETs, mm -hmm. I've done a, a number of things in the area that are available on the internet. Okay. One of, <clears throat> One of them um, I did for a European researcher 
who was investigating uh, a problem of mutilated humans being dropped dropped in a field in the same field in England and they were kidnapped all over Europe and, and they ended up there yes um, this this species is probably not more technologically advanced than we are mm -hmm. and they're basically doing the same thing we would have to do to get the same information that the grays are getting with their neural scanning technology you know you can map the neural structures by making uh you know the sections thin sections examining them under a microscope or something and then you know using a computer to assemble the series of images and what this species is doing is they're removing the entire central nervous system from the body uh, plus some other organs oh my god yeah and they do not the the autopsies have found that they do not use any kind of antibiotics or i mean anesthesia oh so you know this horrible. is this is done to a, yeah these these people i think are strongly um you know have a strong animosity for humans i was gonna say uh yeah there's no uh there's no empathy compassion or nothing like that and because i was about to ask you i guess some of them are able to study us without killing us but uh these sound like like they have no problem that to extract information or whatever it is that they want from us if we die right. in the process yeah you know like i said they're they're have a light high level of hostility i don't know what what specifically offended them but whatever it was it must have been pretty bad mm -hmm. i <clears throat> There, there are a number of other species that I, I can't tell you what they look like. One of them, I, I know what they look like. They're, they're not among the repertoire of what uh, people normally report seeing, like the, the uh, reptilians, right, and the insectoids. Mm -hmm. These, these are. Um, this, I think, is probably the oldest civilization out there and in excess of three, three billion years old, I would estimate. They do things almost entirely remotely. Okay. They don't, they only come here, I'm only aware of one instance where they actually came here to do something. And I actually ran across that investigating. I work in other areas, including in investigating and documenting organized crime in government agencies and programs. Mm -hmm. And I ran across them looking into a, one of the problems I found there. So that's, that's how I know about them. And I use, um, you know, you've heard of remote viewers. Yes, of that's course. that's not the most sophisticated way of getting around. I I learned how to use quantum tunneling, okay. and and I learned that from 
uh, Native American tradition. Um, but but you can uh, collect information. You know, once you start building the neural structures for processing quantum level sensory input, you can get information from all kinds of places. Uh, and how it works, for example, uh, somebody was talking to me about the pyramids being um, energy generators. Right. Well, what I did was say, okay, so this is a technology. Let me try and find the next level of application of the same technology. And the thing about it, once you, once you focus on what you're looking for, you go immediately to it. Okay. And this was, what I saw was on another planet and it was just a tower. It wasn't a, a, a whole pyramid. It was just a tower, a stone tower mm-hmm. that, that was pulling energy out of the core of the planet and broadcasting it out the top. And that was the next level of the technology that was used in the pyramids. And that's that's what you can learn to do. And some of the ETs, I think, can do this too. The greys, for example, the, 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 the type of employee that the abductees are encountering. These are technicians and science specialists. They're not military occupying force. That's that's somewhere else and hasn't been used yet. Do you think the grays are biomechanical? The All of the ones that I have information about were completely organic okay. and, and they can die. Um, mm-hmm. the, the little, little fellow that I saw when I was 13, I, I later became aware was actually a friend. We, we had a, a friendship bond and I knew, I felt when he died, oh. he died of old age and, and I felt the break in the connection. Okay. Now, and, you know, since I, I only have, um, brief uh, awareness of what was going on with that. I can't, you know, say much about what what our relationship was or, or why it existed or what I was doing. You know, all I know is that I'm not an abductee. I don't have any chips in me. Okay. Um, you know, th- that's one of the things I check for is uh, foreign things being inserted into me, especially like in shots you right. know, at the VA and things like that. You have to be careful about that because there's all kinds of evil enterprises afoot. And, right. you know, the, the, the bizarre stuff that is coming out about the vaccines, like being able to put a magnet on your arm right. and I have it stick after, after the shot. Uh, there's a couple of possible explanations for that. Uh, metallic nanobots being injected that are that are still, you know, being absorbed and distributed, you know, through your system. 
So they're still concentrated in your arm, which is why the magnet will stick. Uh, there's also a couple of other possibilities from DARPA research. Right. Let me let me ask you something real quick, James. Are all these different ETs, are they, uh, it sounds like there's different ones. Are they all on the same page or are some of them dislike each other? In other words, do they each have their own agenda, whether it's to hurt or to help us? Well, there are, some of the ones here are parts of alliances and others like the, the oldest civilization I was talking about, they're here by themselves. You know, okay. They're they're operate by themselves. They've had bad experience with other species trying to steal their advanced technology. And, you know, not all of them get along. Uh, some of them, like I said, have formed alliances. But you have both types here. There are alliances. And I, I think there may be two strong alliances in the solar system now. And what the military capability, we're talking about millions of soldiers and intelligent machines of, of various species and manufacturer that are in the solar system as required for collecting and analyzing intelligence and managing operations for an entire planet, Earth. And they, um, one of the things that uh, William Pollock, that I learned from him, mm -hmm. was a, um, he was told by a pair of, of forestry rangers, forest service rangers, that they were out on patrol and saw a UFO land in a clearing. Two little grays got out carrying this metal pod which they proceeded to hide under a ledge that was pointed toward a city down in the valley below this mountain that they were on okay. and that was an intelligence collection pod they were probably collecting signal signal intelligence and with their technology at, at you know level they may actually have been able to pick up conversations on the street with with that pod. You know, who knows what was in it. But that confirmed my suspicion that they have a worldwide um, technology installation pattern that collects daily intelligence. Uh, another that they have are little uh, globes spheres that there's a, a grid of them around the entire planet up in the atmosphere and occasionally their shielding breaks down that conceals them and they show up on google earth maps i remember one that was uh, pictured hanging over the florida panhandle yeah. but yeah you can look at google anomalies and see some of them they are, um, one of the insights I had was that you don't have to have a full invisibility cloaking technology to conceal these devices. All you have to do is have technology that can uh, neutralize 
the electromagnetic spectrum in the frequency frequencies of our sensory system. You know, our hearing, the frequencies of light that we can see. All I have to do is be able to, you know, block that. Uh -huh. So they don't have, you know, don't have to have a, a total invisibility cloak like in Harry Potter. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and if they've been abducting us and looking at basically our biology and our neural pathways, they know exactly what the parameters are on our hearing and our, and, you know, our vision. So. Yes. Yes. And, you know, if we were, if we went to another planet, and wanted to collect information on the species there, mm -hmm. we would have to do the same thing. We would have to do abductions. You've got to have some kind of sample to work with. Um, now hopefully, we would we would be decent like the Greys and put everybody back after we're finished. But right. you know, knowing the people running our government, that we couldn't rely on that. Do you, do you think that, you know, I, I, this is along the theory of like, you know, that show the X-Files. Do you think our government is aware of this or okays it or are they just, there's nothing they can do about it? Well, there, you have to understand the structure of the black budget programs. These have been taken over by special interests. Mm -hmm. who may have nothing to do with the government and, you know, elite, right. elite, um, evil people. And there's no telling, you know, what kind of technology they've reverse engineered and sure. are using, uh, for example, in the COVID vaccine, mm -hmm. you know, th this might be, um, alien technology that they're applying to using this for evil. One of the things that um, I want to emphasize that's in my book, okay, and this is one of the important concepts that I want to get across to people, the public needs to develop our own extraterrestrial foreign policy because we need to develop positive relationships with the ETs who have a common enemy. You know, these black souls okay. they are enemies of us in our daily life and they are enemies of the et the you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend right well I, it sounds like what I actually work is, on that <laughs> these black souls are sounds like what the equivalent of what psychopaths what you know what we term somebody with you know yeah well, these are spiritual psychopaths yes mm -hmm. um and um, one of the important tools that I developed, and this is at the end of the book, everybody needs to get this and read it. And at the end, there's a form. It's, um, it's designed to be printed on the front and back of one of those tear apart business cards you can get in the business store. Okay. And it's a notice that you're claiming ownership of all of the um, neural structures in your central nervous system. Claim that you own them. 
You know, okay. you hand, if you are abducted, you hand this card to them. You know, it's written notice that you're claiming those rights uh, and that you're claiming any political rights or legal rights that you might be in, entitled to as an indigenous person of earth or under, you know, whatever uh, guiding principles the aliens might have for dealing with other species, you know, because, you know, you wouldn't, if you're, even if you're technologically advanced, you don't want to make enemies because that's, that's not a, a good thing. Well, and, anywhere. I, and I guess my question is, would they honor something like this? It's almost well, that's like. The, that's the problem, you know, um, and and I say in my disclaimer, um, I've got a over a page length disclaimer at the uh, very start of the book. You know, none of what I'm telling you can guarantee that you will survive an extraterrestrial encounter because they may be here to kill humans, right. and there's nothing that can change that. But not all of them. Some of them might be more flexible. Some of them might you know, recognize uh, the rights of other species that they haven't encountered yet. And we need to uh, appeal to those. And, you know, if there's some other alternative that can be achieved, I've tried to make this a tool that will achieve that. Okay. So sometimes it might just be sheer luck if you get abducted, who yes. abducts you? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Let me ask you, have and, you come across any type of, oh, how can I say it? Is there any, uh, because you said earlier, you know, when you use your spidey sense, are there any clues or anything that a person would look out for or know how to interpret that they might be, that they're basically looking at you to target you for an abduction? Not that I'm aware of. Um, okay. You know, like I said, the, the, information technology that they have in place is up in the atmosphere and I have no way of, you know, intercepting or looking at what any individual sphere is collecting or why it's collecting in that information. So I, I don't know everything about any individual species, but I, but I have learned a lot right. and you know, it, even for me, you know, if you see armed extraterrestrials landing, um, it's not going to be a good situation. I'm sure. And, no. You know, you would, you would want to, uh, if possible, uh, uh, separate yourself in their eyes from the black souls that they're here to get, uh, if it's possible to do that. Uh, otherwise, you know, use your good sense. If you see armed soldiers uh, getting off of spaceships and they haven't seen you, running is still an option. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, yeah, duck and cover and run or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, use your, use your good sense. What the, the tools that I've given you and the information is designed for the worst, worst case scenario where you can't escape. Mm -hmm. uh, they have, have you in custody and your problem is to make the best 
outcome from that situation that you can achieve. Right, because, yeah, exactly. Like, I hope I can come out of this alive, in other words. Yes. And, you know, one important detail is if you are taken on board a ship and you don't know that you're still on Earth or whether you're out in space, you may want to carefully consider trying to escape because if you're in a facility on the moon, going outside would not be conducive to good health. No, <laughs> you become part of the debris floating around in space. Yes. You know, so you meaning as far as what, as if they land someplace or as if they take you to a base that's on earth? I mean, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, the absolute worst case scenario is when, when, uh, for whatever reason, they decide that it's time to send their military in, whether they've wow. identified all of the black souls or just want to, uh, you know, come here and try and sort them out, you know, one at a time, the hard way. Um, there, there's no way of telling because I'm sure in addition to the ones that are already here, mm -hmm. there are others on the way. And, right. and I know from my um, quantum tunneling mm -hmm. that there's, there's one that's coming here in a huge, huge, huge ship, and the others are afraid of them. Really? Now, really. That's a lot now, doesn't it? Yes. I don't know when they're going to get here, but it probably will be a tense day when they do. Yeah, we we get caught in the middle of a of an easy yeah. uh, battle. Yeah, one of the things I cover in the book is the possibility that um, more than one ET species or alliance will decide to act at the same time, and there might even be fighting between the extraterrestrials over whose plan is going to get implemented. That's a strong possibility. Well, I think if something like that happens, that will definitely blow the lid off of the, you know, the hush-hush that they have around the UFO ET thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, one of, the, one of the things I was going to cover in the economic opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, the, and it answers the question you ask about, what the, the government is doing, there is one uh, classified operation that is a an exchange of industrial capacity for weapons technology. And the way it works is uh, the government comes up with some weapon technology that they want to develop that current doesly, currently doesn't exist. They estimate how much in resources and money it would cost, and they trade that equivalent of industrial capacity to the ETs for, you know, ET toilet paper, light bulbs, whatever, you know, right, mundane right. stuff. Uh, you know, people don't realize it, but even if the ETs can uh, travel a, a million light years for a penny, that that's still 
cost money to travel a long way. Mm -hmm. And if you're maintaining, you know, thousands of troops and thousands of machines, that's parts and stuff. And it, it would be easier to get at least some of it from local sources. And that's what they've negotiated with this. And it's called Project Noble Amilica, A-M-I-L-I-C-A. And it's at Edwards Air Force Base in California. So basically, because I, I've heard the theory, some people say, well, their interest is not so much as with us as with something that they can get from the earth. But what you're saying is not necessarily, well, is that just they're just using it because they need to supplement their whatever well, it is. That they like take I said, there, there's, there's a number of different species here, and some of them have, are using different solutions. I don't know if you've seen it, but, but there's a dome, a huge maybe I think it's like 10 or 12 miles across this dome crawling around on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, which is probably a mining operation of some sort. And, you know, from the slug type trail that's left, it's been down there for a long time. And yeah. really, and um, that you can probably see that on YouTube. Okay. Um if you if you want, you can send me an email, mm -hmm. and I will um, give me an email address where I can send you some information that okay. won't interfere with anything else, and okay. and I'll I'll try and find some of these things and and um, send you a link to them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, on, I've I, always heard of that despite that there's a lot of, that the ocean is a great cover, in other words, as far as bases and things like that, of that nature. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention the, the things that uh, one of the two individuals <clears throat> that I interviewed for my master's thesis told me about what they'd learned from World War II. Uh, three to five times a month, a UFO would enter the North Pole, fly down the middle of the Pacific, the Pacific Ocean, and they would lose track of it heading to the South Pole. So they figured that there was a base down there, and three to five month, three to five times a month was probably some kind of supply run. Okay. So they probably one of them at least has manufacturing facilities elsewhere in the solar system, in addition to, or in in addition to the the Noble Amilica. Um, facility. Okay. And he also told me that when the first bombing runs were executed against Germany, mm -hmm. they were using compass headings. And all of the bombing runs, when they dropped the bombs where they thought they would be over a city, were mm -hmm. three degrees off. Ah. And what they determined I don't know how they did it, and I don't know if they sent an expedition, but somehow they discovered that there was an alien facility built underground in the vicinity of where the magnetic North Pole was at the time. I was going to say the magnetic pole. That, that Yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and it was, you know, whatever they were doing in the base was throwing off the, the um magnetic field by three degrees and causing yeah. the bombing errors. 
Somebody and was going out their hair trying to figure that one out for a while, huh? I would imagine. And, um, you know, that that's basically all that he told me. I don't know if he knew anything else or not, but, um, you know, when I first started working on this, the, the 12 years that it took me to get, get to a point where I could actually do something and under, <clears throat> understand what was going on, mm-hmm. um, it, it, for the first seven years, what I was discovering, I was almost constantly nauseated on a daily basis. It was so much to handle. And I understand why people are afraid of dealing with this, but it's, um, you know, you're not going to have a choice much longer, you know. Right, exactly. James, do you think that they travel interdimensionally or are we talking like, you know, light years? How how is it, or both? Oh, that's an excellent question and something I need to clarify. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I told you, I, I, um, majored for two years toward a degree in physics before switching to social sciences. So I've got a a firm footing in, in physics. Um, people misunderstand the, the term dimension in the way it's used in this sense. A dimension is a single property of existence, like length, width, height, and duration. We know at the quantum level, there are at least 22 other properties of existence, but they're single properties, just like length, width, height, and duration. And they're not a, a parallel universe. They're not another universe in, in a specific dimension. It's just a single property. And in my book, the... Um, the holographic paradigm theory of the structure and function of social processes, which is all of the information I reverse engineered from the ETs, the mathematics and science behind using neural structures uh, as a unit of analysis. It's go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Because, you know, you always hear that, that the, you know, that the reason why sometimes they can't, like, you know, when we've tracked sometimes what UFOs, that they all of a sudden they disappear, that that is how they're disappearing, like that they can't be tracked because basically they're, I don't know if you want to call them a portal or a rip or something, and they're moving into another dimension. Or like you said, outside of, you know, whatever type of mechanical instruments that we have as far as that would be able to follow them. Right. They, they might be there. We just we're not aware. Just we can't, can't detect them. Um, right, exactly. It, it is possible to get around. Um, I have several unusual experiences that are are based on naturally occurring phenomena. I don't know if you've, it's ever happened to you, but sometimes there will be like a, a lightning type uh, distortion in your visual field that has a rainbow type effect around it. Yes. Um, the the eye doctors tell you that's a malfunction in your brain in the visual processing center, but I think that's wrong. Uh, based on what I've been able to do, that is some kind of 
link that you can go through or see through and see someplace else in the physical universe. Um, I, I think it may be a cosmic string. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's yeah. something that's left over from the um, when the universe was first created that in, includes in, in our frame of reference some of the other 22 properties of existence. So it, it acts strangely in, in based on any kind of experience we've had. But what I've been able to do is when that occurs, if I'm able to keep it in focus long enough, I can expand it and actually open a kind of window. And, and I've been able to see different things through there. Uh, sometimes it's just darkness like you know, somewhere else in space, but other times I've seen buildings um, okay. and places through these, but it, it's very tenuous and hard to hold on to. Um, any kind of distraction and it will go away. But, you know, th that's something I learned how to do. I mean, so it, 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 this thing with, like, that you described with basically, well, remote viewing, but through a tunnel. I'm sorry. Uh, quant quantum tunneling is um, is well. There's an, another way of looking at it. Um, the what you came in through the the tunnel that mm -hmm. people report leaving through. You know, when they die, they go out. Well, you come in through that tunnel too. Um, that's that's a quantum tunnel connecting the physical uh, realm that we're familiar with with the spiritual domain okay and and it's a link that's in every cell in your body and you can use that to get around to other places that's what I'm talking about quantum tunneling and the reason why I asked you is that I've heard that some remote viewers they say that when you do the remote viewing where you're traversing through or the place, if you want to call it, I've heard it called the middle plane, uh, that you might encounter something or somebody else also there when you're remote viewing that that's, and I was wondering if when you do the quantum tunneling, is it does, does the same hold true? Like, or you're there by yourself. Absolutely. Well, um, one of the things I cover when I teach the spiritual awareness class, the first thing I teach you, is how to protect yourself okay. because there are things out there that will bite you. Things will try and get in your body yes. when you come back in. And mm -hmm. I've, I've had all of that happen to me before I, you know, mastered the, the protective skills, okay. uh, but it's called the tower of light. You can find descriptions of it on the internet, <clears throat> but you, you, uh, through a breathing exercise, learn to put energy out the top of your head and coach your body in a light field. Okay. And that protects you from evil penetrating it. Okay. And you have to do something like that anytime you get out of your body, whether it's quantum tunneling, uh, deep meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the 60s and 70s when it was, uh, you know, Getting out of your body was popular. There were 
numerous cases in California where they, you know, people were found in their apartments dead, okay. you know, sprawled out on the floor like they were, uh, you know, doing astral projection. And they either lost uh, track of their body or, you know, decided not to come back. Really? And you know what? The, the, and, and, and I, why I'm, I'm acting surprised that, you know, you always hear about, you know, that silver cord that supposedly links your physical body to your astral body, which means like, yeah, you could go, but you're always going to be able to find your way back. So that's, that's not necessarily the case. Oh. And, and another thing, another thing is you need somebody with you, not mm -hmm. only to, to help deal with that, if you, um, if they, you know, detect that you're stopped breathing or something, uh, right. one of the things you can do is, is forget to breathe. And it's good to have somebody else with you watching your body. Okay. And, you know, if things start going wrong, um, you know, they can either call the paramedics or remind Something. you to breathe or tell you to come back. Shake you, whatever. Like, yeah. Slap you on Whatever's the needed. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And you know what? And it's, the thing is, I, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that they do all of this. Uh, like you said, whether it's because they guided meditation, whatever you want to call, all by themselves. Yeah, I, I don't recommend that. Interesting. You know, I, I've known people who do that. And, you know, certainly an, an advanced Buddhist monk might be able to do that reliably. But, uh, you know, just people learning how to do it, uh, you really need to have a buddy to watch over you. You know, and you can take turns, you know, have somebody else who's interested in exploring too and needs a partner. Right. Uh, you can work together. And I've actually um, not only done that, I've um, on occasion when I was trying to stump, stop an evil enterprise, I've actually co-projected out with another person. Really? Really? That's but a it, trick. Let me tell you that, but that, have you ever done it? Be, I mean, how many people have you been able to do it? Just two, three, or? Well, it, you know, it's a matter of trust. You have to be able to, it, yeah. it has to be somebody that you can trust with not talking about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see and, that could be a problem. Um, you know, I've, I've done paired operations with maybe six or seven different people, okay. but um, under all but one of those, there was a third person present, you know, as, as a safety. Okay. Okay. But the, the one was an emergency situation where um, some evil people were going to uh, crash a passenger plane by um, spreading a crack that was in the fuselage. And, um, yeah, I, um, I went and did one thing as a distraction. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what it was. Cause it was, it's an education in itself. Okay. Um, I, I literally, uh, turned my light on and flew through hell to provide a distraction. And, you know, I had all kinds of dark, dark things following me. 
And okay. some of the things I saw were a real enlightening. Uh, one of the places I went through was a, this, it looked like a giant cavern and hanging down from the ceiling were these little cocoons, like a butterfly cocoon or something. And inside each one of them was a soul and it was an illusion. It was an illusionary world created inside this little pod. Mm -hmm. And they literally didn't even know they were in hell. Wow. This is something yeah. along, out of the Matrix movie. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, what we were doing did work. Uh, the plane didn't crash. And the person we were trying to protect didn't make it back. So that that worked. So, but it, it's not something I do every day. But the, okay, so basically, what you're saying is whoever was going to do this to the plane was some type of demonic entity. Yes. Then? Okay. Yes. Okay. Now I understand. So yeah, I, I you were worked, a decoy. Yeah, I was a decoy. Uh -huh. Interesting. So how did you get out of that? I mean, and, well, and, and I'm, I'm serious because I'm thinking when, when that, I finished, like, when I finished distraction, distraction, uh -huh. I, I came back to my body. Okay. And what happens, James, do any of these things like, what is it? Once you pull back into your body, that's it. They, they, they can't come into this physical world or. Well, if you, if you've got the light field around your body, no, mm -hmm. uh, before I learned how to do that, Put that protective layer around me. Uh, I had, I did have something come in once, and I had to have help getting it out. What happened? If you, if you're liberty to say. Well, what what came in? It it looked like, um, um, a, a, a body type figure, but it was made out of lightning, electricity, um, and it it came back in my body with me and lodged in my right hand and my right hand would, would act on its own. You know, it would do things I had no control over. Wow. And that, that did you immediately know that something had come back in? Or? Oh yeah. I was okay. aware of it when it happened. When I was, when I came back in my body, I, I knew that something came in with me. I saw it. You know, I saw okay. it come back in with me. Okay. That is, that must have been quite an experience. Oh, it was. Yeah. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, and I understand very well why you're saying that people that are on practice, they have to be really, really careful when they do anything like a meditation or, or if they attempt remote viewing or anything like that because they could just encounter things that they're just not prepared. Yeah. You need a buddy system. That is so interesting. Wow. James, I wanted to thank you so much for coming today. I, I, I this has been <laughs> talk about like, Hmm, I need, I, I got to think a lot, a lot about these things. What he just said. <laughs> okay. Uh, because you know, there's so many theories out there and, you know, for once they're kind of like admitting a little bit uh, as far as if you want to call it an admission about, you know, UFOs. They won't even say ETs. They'll just keep saying UFOs. Um, 
And everybody's thinking or hoping that soon there's going to be a full disclosure exactly of what is known, but somehow I doubt that that's going to happen. Or what if anything is ever talked about or officially disclosed, it's mm, going to be very um, superficial. Well, somebody should have written the book that I released last December, 70 years ago. The government okay. should have put this out. Okay. And something, something like this. Um, and about the book, um, it's available. You can go to my website, uh, www.thesociologycenter.com mm -hmm. and go to the shopping cart page. Now, I, I have an, an advisory on there to only order one book at a time because I used to sell both print and ebook editions. But okay. after COVID hit, I got concerned about, you know, I, it may be COVID free when it leaves here, but there's no guarantee that it would be COVID free when I got somewhere. Sure. Of course it gets handled. So I, I switched over to just eBooks. Okay. And uh, I use PayPal to handle the payments and they will, they will not do multiple eBook downloads at the same time. So you I have see. to order one book at a time, download it. And if you want another book, go back and order it and download it. I've got it set up so that uh, after your payment is confirmed, it will take you to a website, to a place where you can download the book. And I'm going to have, by the way, a link to your website on the credits of the show. But okay. anyway, I'm glad you mentioned it for the podcast listeners, you know, so that they're aware of it so that they could follow up and go directly to your website. And, and I've been on there and you've got so much information on there, a lot of information on there. Yeah. Uh, the other area that I have done a lot of work in is um, organized crime in the child protection, mental health, and social work systems. I actually wrote a congressional evidence book on really? that. Yeah. For Congressman Joe Baca in 2004. Mm -hmm. And you know, strangely enough, it's further proof that nobody in government is actually interested in the truth. <laughs> you know, oh, nobody, sh no, nobody I, shut I, down I the organized crime. You, but <laughs> um, also, if when you send me the email link mm -hmm. to, to send you some information, I'll send you a, a review copy of the holographic paradigm theory. Yes, I would love that. Um, that that will be, uh, I think, insightful for you too. Um, God be with you and all of your listeners, and thank you for having me on. On the contrary, it was my pleasure. Take care. I always do. <laughs> yeah, but you do. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Bye, bye, James. Bye. Uh, I'm not kidding. It's that I have a conversation with him. You're like, okay, I, I, I gotta really like, you know, like veg out in the sense of like, let me, let me, uh, let me parse this information that all these ideas, because, you know, there's certain things that you're aware of, but he went into areas that you're like, huh? And, um, you know, it's not the first time that I've heard about. That's not nice. The, believe it or not, that's, that's Siri saying that's not nice. I don't know why. Siri just said that. Ooh, okay.
whatever. But um, about as far as the uh, the thing of, of people doing meditations and things like that, and that sometimes their experiences that they've had uh, very unpleasant uh, consequences while when they're coming down from a meditation or that they encounter things. It's not the first time I've heard that. And, you know, you always think of the meditation as something relaxing and something to help you focus and de-stress and, you know, get your thoughts in order. But I think a lot of people <clears throat> uh, don't realize that it's just not your mind. It's your astral body that goes somewhere. And what happens with that is what's out there. It's like the, it's not the physical body. It's your astral body. You know, and, and a lot of people say, well, and I'm going to use this Hollywood sometimes, you know, gives the best examples. I'm sure most people are familiar with the movie, the matrix. And even though it's not a astral body per se, as in as a spiritual sense, that's projected into this computer program, but it's where your the example I'm trying to give is that your physical body is here, but your astral body is somewhere else. And if you remember that movie, if something happened to that uh, image or that person that you were in the, in the program, basically your body, your re your real body reacted. Um, like if it was actually happening to your body, even though it could be someplace else. And I had heard of that. And sometimes I, and that thing about the buddy system, that's very interesting. I, that the part that I had never heard about was people stopping of the, the breathing thing. That's, that's cause for concern, you know, or, uh, you know, you know, you go out there and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't know my way back. That's, that's, I had always heard that, uh, or I understood that, you know, you had a tether between your, your physical and your astral body. So worst case, you know, you would come back into your physical body. You learn something new every day. I'm telling you. Um, it's, it's very, you know, this is, again, you know, uh, James is not the first person that I've spoken to that uh, talks about, you know, that there's um, different agendas involved in, uh, extraterrestrial contact between humans and ETs. And I know there's a bunch of people out there that want to say ETs are benevolent. ETs are going to try to protect us from self-destruction uh, as in, you know, the weapons we develop and that basically they're our last hope before we blow up the planet. But you know what? I'm, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but I still feel like when you hear all these stories about people getting abducted, uh, mutilations, even that uh, he said about that, he worked uh, with a gentleman investigating these mutilations of humans that were being dropped off in a field in the UK, even though they were being disappearing somewhere else. I'm telling you, when you have no empathy, no mercy for a creature that you're studying, because that's basically what it sounds like they're doing with us. That that's very troubling, very troubling. And that thing that he described, where this was being done to them without anesthetic, 
that. And by choice, by the way, that's more than troubling. So that thing about the the hope that all the ETs are going to be uh, our, uh, our saviors. Mm. Mm, somehow, no. Mm -mm. It's a nice thought. It's a real nice thought. But uh, based on what you hear of different things that, that appear to have the hand of extraterrestrials involved in them, there's a lot of things that don't bode well for them. Are maybe the hope will be is that there are some there that are like not like that and maybe watching our backs. You hope. I mean, there's a lot of questions, and I was like kidding. I'm I'm hoping. I, I I mean, I've heard that we're we're on the cusp of some big disclosure from the government about extraterrestrials and or UFOs. Maybe if they don't go into the ET, at least they'll disclose something about as far as UFOs, which is unidentified flying objects. Which, you know, they really haven't even ever admitted they're from another world because it's always that question mark. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping that's going to happen soon. As far as how truthful it is or how complete it is, I'm not. I, I, I'm prepared to that we're going to get like just enough to be, people go, oh, ah, wow, wow. And then when they really start, you know, like when they really start listening to what was stated so man that's a lot of words but it really doesn't tell us much and i think that's that's what's going to happen yeah that's what's going to happen hopefully yeah we're going to have some type of uh you know that that'll be the thing for 2021 I'm telling you why not after 2020 2021 we're good to go something that'll really knock us out of our shoes <laughs> but anyway guys i hope you like the show i love uh in Bringing these guests on and listening to their stories, their theories, their experiences, especially about these areas, which I know for a lot of people for many years have been like the woo-woo, you know, the, oh, the fringe, that's so weird, uh, all that things, um, which I'm glad now they're being looked at a little bit more seriously, a little bit more seriously. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of great guests coming on. So again, don't forget, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com so you can get links to the shows, to the podcasts, to uh, just about anything. You could also send me an email if you have any questions or if you want to submit a story. Also, uh, on there you have links to the other podcast series, Nightshade Diary, and also Supernatural Storytime. And then, of course, I always have all my books for sale on there, or you can go to Amazon. And look me up on my author's page, which is Marlene Pardo Pelliser. So again, it is fantastic to be with you guys again. And we will see each other next week. Take care.